Let us pray. God, um, I just truly want to be obedient to what you've given me. You've worked in my life through what I will be sharing today, and I know that there are people in this room today needing this. Um, Father, thank you for the gift of your word. Father, we don't have to figure it out. We don't have to scramble. We have your word. We have a guide. We have a Holy Spirit-inspired book that we can apply to our lives. So today, in this moment, you are already in this room. We can sense it. We know this. Let us acknowledge you and let your presence change things today. Who the Son sets free is free indeed. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And, um, Man, this series has been loaded with everything. The change you need may not be the change you want. We talked about the difference between greed and hunger. What else did we talk about? (laughs) This is the part where everybody's pulling up their notes. Protecting the change, right? We talked about that. It serves truly no purpose if you change and you you can't keep it, right? Because then you're going back in cycles, and we talked about that aiming too low, right? Uh, We're talking about our prayers, the the enormity of our prayers, they don't intimidate God. And that big prayers are actually worship, right? Because when you're, you're praying a big prayer, you're saying, Lord, I can't do this, so I'm praying to the one that can. So that's a form of worship saying, hey, listen, if I could handle it, I wouldn't be praying for it, right? But... You are the almighty God, so I'm praying to you because I need. And we talked about last week, I know there was a lot of grumpy faces, but we talked about some promises <laughs> in Scripture are for grown people. Not for people led by emotions. For grown people. You know, you will keep in perfect peace. Oh, that's for grown people. <laughs> and we talked about that Scripture in Corinthians where Paul said, hey, listen, the inheritance is yours, but until you grow up emotionally, you can't have them. Maturity for more, right? You know, there's some people that need to let let somebody hold your cell phone for a week. Get off your phone. Some people need to get off their social media. There's some things that are for grown-ups. Correction and growing in Scripture and allowing the Scripture to correct you, that's for (laughs) grown-ups. Not throwing a tantrum. He's talking about, that's for grown-ups. If we're talking about more, and I said this last week, when you get more of something, you get more of everything. Like, you want more God? That means you want God to slap you in the face a couple more times. Who's going to give me some love? We got some, some lovers over here? Okay. When you're saying, God, I want more influence, that comes with more haters. When you say, God, I want more for my marriage, that comes with more things aiming towards your marriage. See, when you get more of something, you get more of everything. And I think that many times we look at more from from an abstract perspective, and we don't know what more brings 
So when things start happening, Lord is like, this is, you, this is what you asked me for. And you're like, oh, I didn't know we were going to take all of that. <laughs> and the Lord said, this is what more is. But um, none of this can happen without the topic that we'll have today. And um, this was a very heavy week for me personally, um, busy. Um, I was invited to preach in a, in a church in Miami um, Thursday night. Some people, you know, it's like, don't leave me alone come and accompany me, and, um, you know, it was, it was, it was different, you know, they were like, we love your word, pastor, we've heard you preach, uh, it's, the Lord uses you in a powerful way, we just have one condition, I'm like, I thought he was going to say Spanish, English, everyone that preaches needs to wear a suit and tie, I'm like, man, I'm going to go from Yeezys to... <laughs> from Yeezys and a t-shirt to oh man a student time but I was telling the people that went with us I was telling listen when you move in different environments it teaches us that there's a larger kingdom than what we see you may look around and you may say hey listen we're the only people you know doing this but God has people everywhere and it may not be for you but it's for somebody. Remember what I said? You know, the sphere of influence. And I was like, man, and, you know, all proper and, you know, suit and tie. And I'm like, man, I can't. As soon as the message was done and I got down from there, I'm like, I, I feel like I'm going to suffocate. But um, it, it, it was a great experience. And it, it was a heavy week, right? So I was like, Lord, I already have a message for Sunday. This message was for them. They have a year of, what is it? conquer war and advancement so it was, a, it was a message about that but then friday something happened the lord was like i mean i didn't even load up the, the things to like friday night the lord was like i have a different message for you i'm like man i prepared myself for sunday he's like no so the lord started to deal with me and speak on to me and um there's one thing that prevents us more than anything from changing. And that thing is the lack of forgiveness. And I want to speak from this topic today, which is my, my next slide is, why can't I forgive myself? And I know when we talk about lack of forgiveness, the first thing you think about is the offenses of other people. Yes or no? Yeah. Right? Man, I can't forgive him or I can't forgive her. If you only knew, Pastor, what he or what she did to me. But I've been doing this for a pretty good time. Been around ministry, son of a pastor. And I've come to the understanding that the most difficult person to forgive is yourself. Along with yourself, the most difficult person to forgive is God. And not because God sinned and needs forgiveness, because God is perfect. He doesn't sin. But sometimes we need to forgive God for us. We had certain expectations on how life should have turned out. We have some things that we feel that we're missing out. And slowly but surely... We're holding these grudges against ourselves. 
And sometimes we're even holding these grudges against God. The most difficult person to forgive is yourself because you know yourself too much. Nobody knows you like you know you. And sometimes, or most of the times, that becomes so very difficult because that sense of I can't forgive myself has led you to shame. And I'll dive into that a little bit today. But like I said to the Spanish crowd this morning early, I came here with one assignment only, that in the name of Jesus, God is gonna set some people free today, once and for all. And sometimes this lack of forgiveness that we carry internally has some implications generationally and sometimes it has an implications on our behavior. See, the lack of forgiveness is manifested many ways. Is manifested mostly through sarcasm. What's that person that everything is is a sarc, you know, a sarcastic comment? The root of that is lack of forgiveness somewhere down the line. Sometimes the lack of forgiveness may, may express itself in isolation. What happens? Once I'm feeling that you're getting too close, once I'm feeling that you're starting to open doors that I want those doors to remain closed, I run. Some of us in this room are runners. When it's getting too personal, when I'm, a, when I'm knowing too much about you and you're knowing too much about me, I run with the fear of getting exposed. That is shame and that is not from God. And I'll get into that. But I want you to note this down, my next slide. Is that not all guilt is created equal. Not all guilt is created equal. You see, the Lord showed me how many of us in this room are carrying what I like to call false guilt. What is that, Pastor? I'm glad you asked. False guilt is nothing more than guilt that you're carrying about things that were not even your fault. See, some of us are carrying the guilt of our parents' divorce, and we're thinking we're the reason that that happened. Some of us are carrying guilt that someone abused us. Someone took advantage of us and we're thinking and the devil's making you believe that you were the reason that it happened. And I came to tell you in the name of Jesus today, yeah, I know this is heavy. I know this is strong, but this is going to set some people free today in the name of Jesus. See, One of the most difficult things for me for a long time was getting over the fact over a friend that committed suicide. We had straight away, we had become a part. I decided to search for the Lord. He decided to not follow the Lord. And we became distant. 
And I remember getting an email from his mother to let me know that my friend Lewis committed suicide. I can't tell you how long I carried that. Just thinking about how many times I could have been there for him. And how many times I could have been the voice of the Lord over his life. And it took, it took me some time to dive deep into Holy Spirit. And Holy Spirit, come and speak to my life and say, it was not your fault. It was not your fault. And as I was preparing for today, the Lord told me to tell you today that it's not your fault. Some of you sitting in this room today are walking with guilt that is false guilt. Some of you were either born in a time in which your parents probably weren't ready or you were a child out of wedlock and they're making you believe for the longest time telling you and speaking over your life that you were the mistake, that you were the cause or you were the, the root of it and I come to tell you in the name of Jesus it is not your fault. It doesn't matter how you got here today or the circumstances that led you to be in this room. You are here to be set free in the name of Jesus. Not all guilt. See, false guilt is always bad, it's destructive, it's dangerous. But there is a time when guilt can be a gift. Tell your neighbor, guilt can be a gift. See, because guilt, when, it's come, when it comes from God, it can draw you closer. Where's that in scripture, Pastor? I'm glad you asked. 2 Corinthians 7.10. It says, for godly grief. I didn't even know this word was in scripture. For godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret. In other words, I repented. Jesus took it, I am free from that. Whereas worldly grief produces death. Worldly grief produces sin. Sin is the pathway to death. See, there is a difference between guilt and shame. See, guilt leads you to the Lord. Shame leads you to believe that you are the mistake that you made. I'll read this again. For godly grief produces repentance that leads to salvation without regret, whereas worldly grief produces, produces death. See, that feeling of conviction, that feeling of I did wrong, that can be very helpful. Now, the feeling of shame, of believing that what I did is who I am, it destroys us. It leads us into the wrong path. See, there's, there's a character in Scripture that can relate to this. His name is Peter. And Peter was one of the disciples. He had very good qualities, but he had some blind spots, just like you and I have. He loved Jesus to the point that he bragged about Jesus, to the point that he had a sword, and y'all know what happened. 
you know, he cut the, the, the Roman shoulders, the Roman shoulder, the Roman soldier um, ear off because he was so passionate about Jesus. But Jesus gets arrested and Peter now gets coward. We can read this in Luke 22. Are you still with me? Yeah. It says, and after an interval of about an hour, still another one insisted saying, certainly this man also was with him, for he too is Galilean. But Peter said, man, I do not know what you're talking about. And immediately while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. And the Lord turned and looked at Peter. And Peter remembered the saying of the Lord, how he had said to him, before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. What did Jesus not do? Shame him. What did Jesus not do? Crucify him. And I think that I was telling the Spanish crowd earlier today that as church, as the church of Christ, we have gotten this grace thing all wrong. See, we only turn grace to the people that don't have visible scars. See, what we do is that if your sin is too visible, you're too dirty for me. See, if you carry your sins on your sleeves, then you don't deserve grace. You know better. You've been in church too long. Let me remind you, Peter walked with Jesus. Let me remind you that Peter was present during the miracles with Jesus. Let me remind you that he was still bragging about Jesus. Let me remind you that he was defending Jesus. And in the moment of truth, he denied him. What does that mean, Pastor? Some way or another... Everyone in this room needs grace. There's going to come a point in your walk that you're going to need someone to come aside of you and tell you, you know what, that was a mistake. Let's acknowledge it. Let's get right back up and let's keep going. See, because the beautiful thing about grace and just a personal testimony for someone that was born and grew up in the church and comes from a family that my parents are still together, right? My family, everyone serves the Lord, hallelujah. I started to believe that was the norm. So, so I would start judging people. Can I be honest, right? This is the honest crowd. So I would start judging people because I was, I was thinking to myself, you should get it together. See, but I, don't, I didn't understand their context. I don't know what it is to grow up without a father. I don't know what it is to grow up without a mother. I don't know what it is to, to live in, in a household where there's vices, when there's people getting abused. I don't know what that is. That's what grace is. Grace is that Jesus meets us wherever we may be. And he takes the broken things. And he turns them into glory. And this is Peter, man. This is Peter. This is the guy that was the most adamant about Jesus and the ministry. And in the moment that he was placed in the spot, 
He's like, I don't know what you guys, he said, man, (laughs) I don't know what you guys are talking about. See, because when you move from guilt to shame, the enemy has you right where he wants you. Next slide. Because shame, shame is the devil's playground. Shame is the devil's playground. Y'all remember when I said not not all guilt is created equal? See, if guilt leads you to grace, that's the guilt that you want. That's the guilt where you're saying, God, I messed up. I own up to my mistake, right? But I'm coming to you for grace. Now, if grace leads you to shame, now you're starting to believe that what you did is who you are. And I know that for some of us in this room, what we did and in the environment that we grew up with, the words that were spoken over our lives, they started to connect to our identity. And we truly started to believe that we were a a mistake. Or we were the reason things are no longer the way they are. Because if the devil can get you into the playground of shame, he can isolate you. What do you do when you're ashamed? You hide. Y'all remember what happened with Adam and Eve in the garden? What happened when they noticed they were naked, they were ashamed, and they, they hid? See, we need to be a church, and I, and I posted it the other day. We need to be a church that is a church that's waiting for the prodigal son to come back. And just tell them, come home. It doesn't matter if the reason that you weren't here is because, or you came back is because you ran out of money. Scripture says that the dad didn't care what was the reason why. That's what grace is. Are y'all understanding what I'm saying this morning? Grace is saying, you don't deserve it, but guess what? I don't deserve it either. That's what grace is all about. We don't deserve it. We sang it. That you choose someone like me to carry your victory. It's all about grace. And I know that some of us in this room have been carrying shame for such a long time that is not allowing you to get the change that you really need. See, when you are carrying around that guilt and shame, you can't walk into the fulfillment of what God has for you because you're bound. You're chained up. See, and the reason why the enemy attacks you with the past is because he's afraid of you walking into your future. So if he can keep you bound to those words that were said over your life, if he can keep you bound to that attacker, if he can keep you bound to those those declarations, if he can keep you bound to that mistake telling you every day that that's who you are, you're such a hypocrite, and you raise your hands on a Sunday morning, yes, if that's the case, we're all hypocrites. See, church is the hospital of the sick. See, I was on someone's podcast, and I said, can I say something before we close? They were like, sure. And they were, bad move by them. You can't let a pastor speak. I was like, if you're listening to me out there and you're cheating on your wife, my church is for you. That's too much. That's, That's too much for this side. If you're involved in the wrong business, if you're selling drugs, my church is for you. If you're struggling with your sexuality, my church is for you. Their eyes started to open. The people, I'm like, y'all let me talk. 
Because that's what grace is. He who is whole doesn't need anything, but that person that's broken, this is what the church is for. Church is really not for us. Church is for them. And he, they looked at me like, man, that was the last thing we thought you were going to say. I was like, I don't care if y'all invite me again. I got it out there. You, 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 on, you on drugs? My church is perfect for you. And their eyes kept opening. You're, you're, you're struggling with, with a sin that you can't get rid of? And you're living in sin with somebody that's not? Perfect. My church is perfect for you. Why? Because that's what Jesus did. That's exactly what he said and what he did. He was, he was, he was, the, he was thrown away. He was cast away because he was always around sinners. He was around always people that didn't deserve it. So the Pharisees would say, why are you hanging out with them? He would say, you don't need it, but they need it. And my prayer is that we become a church that's full of grace. Going back to my personal testimony, growing up within the walls, growing up within the ministry, I always believed that it was easy for people to keep it together. Until I hit my teenage years, and I thought to myself, if I got crazy with the parents I got, if I did what I did with the parents I got, and with the structure I had, I would have been dead without them. So who am I to judge someone else's walk just because it doesn't look like mine? What happens is that sometimes we're too much in church that we forget how it was. We're too whole that we forget what it was to be broken. We forget what it was to have no hope. See, all these people are looking for a father. It's really not about the sin. It's not about the manifestation of the sin. It's the inwards brokenness that they carry, that they manifested in that sin. It has nothing to do. And I said this morning, we're visual, <laughs> we're visual judgers. So what we do is that if you wear your sin in your sleeve, I judge you, but I don't know that someone in this place may have it, may look like they have it all together and they're carrying pride for 40 years. That's a stronger bind. Um, somebody carrying lack of forgiveness for 20 years, but just because you wear the shirt, and you come and you clap and lift up your hands and it's not visible I can offer grace to you I came I came to set some people free today in the name of Jesus you don't have to be ashamed the first thing God did when he, when he wanted to look for Adam and Eve he said Adam where are you he knew he's God like it's like when you're playing hide-and-seek with your kids. Like, I can see Micah directly. He's like, you can't see me. I'm like, he's like making eye contact with me. You can't see me. I'm like, but that's what you're doing. And God says, where are you? Such a great representation of grace. They started off wrong. This is the first episode of Scripture. They started off wrong, and he's still... From the get, 
He extends grace and he's still doing it. He's still doing it today. See, next slide. Guilt says, I did something. I did something bad. Shame says, I am bad. There's a difference. Guilt tells you, hey, I acknowledge what I did. I, I want us to get this right today. I'm not saying that you should just do whatever you want because great. No, no. Scripture says when we read it that when we have godly grief, it leads to what? Repentance, which means I turn away from it. Yeah. Do we get that? Yeah. When, I, uh, when I am repenting, I'm saying I'm not doing that again with the help of the Lord. That leads to salvation without regret. In other words, enemy, I don't care what you whisper in my ear. I've repented. I brought it to the Lord, and I am free. Now, the worldly grief, which, thanks, Greg, let's go back to the the slide where tells you, which is shame, I am what I did. And I know for some of us, our life has been defined by one episode. And someone viewed that episode and has labeled you with that. Maybe they didn't see it, but sometimes we share it with someone. (laughs) And that's all they can remember for you. I came to set some people free in the name of Jesus today. Next, because... Next, the devil, he uses shame to connect your actions to your identity. What does that mean, Pastor? That the thing that you do starts becoming the identity you adopt. This is, and I said this this morning and people laugh. What we fail to understand is that the the devil is more organized than Christians. His plan is the same. We waver, we have some goals, then we don't have them, and we go to church, then we don't go to church, then we follow Christ, then we don't follow Christ. The enemy's plan is the same from the beginning. He came to kill, to steal, and destroy. From the Old Testament to the New, same strategy, while we waver, he does it. So what he does, he's a master schemer. So he starts telling you, you see what you did? You can't get over that. You're never going to get over that. Why? Because that's who you are. You're a quitter. You're a cheater. That's, that's what you want. You can't even help yourself. You're going to be stuck in this vice for the rest of your life because your mother did it, your grandma did it. That's what your last name is. And I told someone, it ran in my family until it ran into me. So he starts connecting these things that are sometimes generational. And I know I've spoken to some of you about these things in the past, right? These things that seem to start to creep up in your family always. Like, like it's no coincidence that everyone in your family is divorced. And then you start struggling in your marriage and you start thinking, uh, where is that coming from? Uh, roll the tape. 
Or there's people in your family struggling with sexuality or struggling with identity or struggling to keep a job. Or everybody in your family is always broke. Not because the amount of money that you make, but you're not a good steward. I'm not talking about money. The amount you make, I'm talking about how you steward what God gave you. There's some people that the mom is in debt, the daddy's in debt, nobody owns anything. Oh, I'm talking to somebody. It carries along because your actions start becoming your identity. And then you start believing, I guess that's what the peñas are. I said that having the parents I had, all my cousins and my dad's cousins, all of them die. They don't die in their bed. Let me just say that. Through fights, through violence. And you know what? During my teenage years and my young adult years, I found myself in the same thing. And I was like, guess what? I guess this is what we do. Because now your actions start becoming part. Is this helping someone today? Your actions start becoming, oh, you're emotional, ball. You're always full of emotion. And that start, those actions start becoming, what? People tell me. So that's probably who I am. Oh, you're, you, you'll never get it together. I'll say this. I had to break something I was telling, saying over my oldest boy. For those that don't know, Shiloh is ADHD. And there was a lot of things that I had to ask for him for forgiveness. I would come to him and in the frustration of doing homework, I'm like, man, you're, you can't be that dumb. Extend grace to me too, right? Uh, <laughs> I'm a, you better extend grace this way because I sure extend a, lo- a lot of grace to y'all. Okay. And I'm like, Papi, come on, you're not dumb. Some things I declared over his life. And we were having a conversation one day. We were in the house and Shiloh couldn't find something. He said, oh, I couldn't find it because I'm dumb. I started to weep. Holy Spirit just came in. I was tying his actions to his identity and speaking it over him to the point that he started to repeat what I was saying. And some of us, our actions that we've said over our marriages, over our children, this is never going to get better. This is what it is. He's not going to change. She's not going to change. This is, and it starts becoming part. And you, you make something that's abnormal, normal. I can't get over this pattern. This is the pattern. This is what we do. I'm going to go get another job and we're just going to live check to check because that's what we do. This is helping someone today. Because that's what shame is. And then you start to retrieve and you start to hide because you start to believe that that's truly your life, that you're hopeless, that you're worthless. And I'm thinking that at this moment, Peter is thinking, dang it, I blew it. I I have no mercy. Others telling Jesus trusted you. You betrayed him. Jesus saw it. Ooh, he gave you that look. All the disciples know your life is over. Next. Because the devil wants to use your shame to drive you away from God. But God wants to use that same guilt to draw you to his grace. In other words, we are not saying we're not acknowledging it. 
what we're saying is that we're acknowledging it, we're repenting, and we're finding grace. Is that making sense to anyone in the room today? See, the devil, I don't get this for the life of me. When stuff is messed up and when stuff is going wrong, the first thing people cut off is church. But it's the thing that you need to run to. I mean, I've been doing this for a long time, and it's like the first thing that leaves your, your agenda of priorities is like, you know, we're going through something. Because we're going through something, I'm going to get my behind in church. I'm a, who's, who's real? I, who's real? Over here. Because there's that one Sunday. There's that one word that's going to get shared. That is the word that you need for your situation. See, because what it is is that shame makes you believe you can't even be in church. You're a hypocrite. And like I said, that makes us all hypocrites. Because we've all sinned and we all fall short from the grace of God is what scripture says. We all messed it up at some, time, at some point this week. That's why I've come and that's why I lift my hands. I could have messed it up last night. I could have messed it up this morning. But I just need grace so I'm in the house. So the devil starts talking to you, right? Oh, look at you. Try to, when I lift my voice and shout. Because he's, t- he's tying what you did to who you are. So you got to look at the enemy and say, hey, listen, that's who I am. I made a mistake. Yes, I made the mistake, but that's not who I am. That doesn't define my future. Come on, somebody. That doesn't define my identity. It's what I did. It's over with. I brought it to the, to the throne of grace. I found grace. I've repented, but I'm moving on. Oh, the, de- the devil just wants you to. I want you to dwell. Like I said during the messages, we connect with people, we talk to people. Don't you talk to some friends that every time you connected with them, they just want to talk about that thing you did? Oh, y'all only got holy friends? Over there, I'm going to come over this side. I got some friends that are not holy. So They just want to remind, hey, you remember when we... I'm like, I'm Pastor Will right now, man. Like, yeah. The devil uses shame to push you away. And I know that everyone in this room, doesn't matter how old you are, we felt shame. Isn't that one of the worst feelings? Because shame, one thing that jumps in your heart is like, I could do better. Or I know better than this. You can use it one or two ways. You can allow the shame to drive you away or to bring you closer to God. Are you still with me? See, there's someone else in Scripture that did the same thing as Peter. I don't have time to read, but Judas. Both Judas and Peter betrayed Jesus. Let me, if you don't know the story, let me just sum it up really quick. Judas sells Jesus for, what is it? 20 pieces of silver, right? So he betrays him. Peter betrays him as well. What's the difference? That was something Peter did. That was who Judas was. Judas was so tied to what he did that he let his shame dictate his destiny. 
Peter allowed his guilt to change his destiny. Let me tell you how the story ends. Peter is used by God, not because he was perfect, but because he was forgiven. Scripture says that he preaches the most powerful message where 5,000 men, because women and kids weren't counted, came to Jesus, came to know Christ. The man that just denied Jesus. See, God uses us to carry his victory because of our imperfections. What was the destiny of Judas? He let shame. Scripture says that when he, he acknowledged what was happening and what he did, he started to cry and he ran and he, and he killed himself. You see how guilt and shame can operate differently? Guilt led Peter to God. Shame, like we read in 2 Corinthians 7, led Judas to death. And I got to move on because y'all, y'all looking at me sideways. John, next. I'm moving on, I promise you. John 21, 15, 17, uh, 15. I'm going to go only to 17. So when, when they had finished breakfast, by the way, there was always food involved when Jesus was with his disciples. There's a power in breaking bread together. Hallelujah. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord. You know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time. Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord. You know that I love you. He said to him, ten my sheep, 17. He said to him a third time, now you're trying me, God. Simon, son of John, do you love me? So Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. So Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. So you have two options. Tell your neighbor two options. Option number one, you can dwell in your past, you can wallow in your sins, and you can drown in your guilt. Who wants option number one? <laughs> there has been no takers in both services. You can dwell in that past, And, and I've come to the understanding that there's people that have accommodated themselves to dwell. That every time I speak to them is about the same thing. Haven't you? Is it me? Do you talk to someone that every time they talk about something is about the dwelling of what he and she did? Oh, man. I only have those friends. I need repentance. Nobody else here has those. Okay, my bad. You can... I don't know about that. You can wallow in your sins or you can just drown in your guilt. Now, there's grace. Option two, you can feed my sheep, you can do my will, and you can show, and you can show my love. There's a famous Disney character by the name of Elsa. No, 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 okay. 
Sometimes it's as simple as just letting it go. And um, you know why? Because letting it go will heal you. In 1 John 1.9, next slide, it says, you don't have it? It says, if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just, and he will forgive us of our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. See, you can't change your past, but God can change your future. And I know that you can say, Pastor, it's easy for you to say, but I, man, if we can just switch shoes for about a week, you'll take an Uber to my house and bring my shoes back. Some of us are thinking in this room, Pastor, but I betrayed my spouse. Now you can be faithful. Pastor, but I wasted my years struggling with addiction. But now you can live free. Pastor, I let God down. I let others down. I let, I let myself down. His mercy is new every morning. See, the difference between our God and any other God is that there's always an opportunity for a new beginning. Scripture says that he grabs our sins and he dumps them to the deepest part of the ocean. God doesn't hold grudges, we do. Isn't it great that he's God and we're not? Oh man, I, I felt... Over the past six months, I felt like I've tapped into something that I should have known for such a long time. And it's the true definition of grace. For so, for so long, man, we've categorized this thing of he or she deserves it or I'm not putting up with this anymore. I can't deal with this anymore. I can't forgive again. I can't forgive my spouse. I can't do this again. And Lord is like, that's what grace is. If grace makes sense, it's not grace. Oof. Grace is not supposed to make sense because it doesn't come from us, it comes from him. See, the devil is intimidated by your future. I don't know if you believe that. The devil is intimidated what you will be able to do if you can get rid of that shame. I look at some of you and I'm like, man, if you were to just, I'm done with this. And you would, like I've seen it. Pastor, how you seen it? I don't know. But I've seen it in prayer. I've seen it in dreams. For each and every way, if I can, if you can just believe in yourself the way I believe in you, I've seen you do it. But you can't change until you can forgive yourself. 
And for some of us, and I'll close with this, some of us need to forgive God. Not because he needs our forgiveness, but because that's created a barrier between you and him. That you are holding a grudge against the thing that he didn't do, that he was supposed to do. Or the thing that he allowed it to happen to you and he wasn't there to protect you. I'm speaking to somebody today. And that stayed in your heart for such a long time that it grew some, some deep roots and it's created a barrier between you and the fulfillment of God's destiny over your life. We can shout all about change we want. We spent six weeks talking about change. Everyone say six weeks. Six weeks. I'm tired. <laughs> but none of that can happen until you make a decision. This is a decision-making moment to let go. To let go of the false guilt, believing it was your fault when it had nothing to, you, to do with you. Number two, for carrying shame because the devil has tied your actions to your identity and you've started to believe that what you did is who you are. Holy Spirit is in this room to make some people free once and for all. Because you know what? Sometimes it just gets tiring. The song we said, let all the striving cease. I don't know if you understand what striving means. If you don't, it's okay. I'll tell you anyways. Striving means attempting to impress. Attempting to obtain. Attempting to get. And he's saying, the writer of this song is saying, let all the striving cease. I'm not going to, I don't need to work for it. I don't need to fight for it. That's what grace is. And like I said, Holy Spirit is here to make some people free, but he doesn't force himself upon anybody. This is not an emotional moment. This is a conscious moment. Amen. Amen. Where we make a conscious decision of saying, hey, listen, I can't carry that anymore. I can't carry the guilt. I can't carry the shame because that's what I did and that's not who I am. But you're going to want it. I asked the team to sing this song. It says, we're no longer slaves. And I think that for so many of us, we've been paralyzed by fear. We've been paralyzed by shame. We've been paralyzed by a label. And if this message was for you, because I know it was not for everybody, but I know there's some of us in this room, including myself, that needed to hear this today. Everyone else can remain seated. Those who are saying, I can't carry this anymore. I forgive myself or even God. I don't understand your plan, but I forgive you. Not that you need my forgiveness, but I need a healing moment. I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet if this is you.